0: (laughs) Hi, this is Pete Best and you're listening to Sci-Fi Saturday Night.
1: We
2: will begin a mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. Don't think you get
0: me so easily! It is now time for us to put Earth under our rule. It's your sacred duty
2: to tell us the truth. Confess, confess, and we will give you witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message to will bring your people. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up.
3: bye by Saturday night.
2: Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another Area 51 recording of Sci-Fi Saturday Afternoon. So we're switching it up again. We had another staff meeting this weekend, and at the staff meeting, three people voted for Sci-Fi Saturday Night, three people voted for Sci-Fi Saturday Morning, I voted for Sci-Fi Saturday Afternoon. So it was a split decision. Um I screwed everything up, didn't I, Cam?
3: Well, you know, that's pretty much par for the course.
2: <laughs> I'm I'm liking See, I'm thinking instead of the brain in a jar, we we have we have like a I don't know, like a um, like a sun or or like a, a a black hole in a jar? I don't know. I'm working on the rebranding here, and and uh, I'm having a tough time. I'm having a very difficult time with the rebranding. So uh, I was told that until don't, we come up with a rebrand, I, what?
3: I I just want you to know, you know, my side still uh it still hurts from the last branding you did. You know, I know I'm not I can take another
2: off. I apologize <laughs> for that, and I told you. We won't use a branding iron this time. It will simply be a tattoo. There will be be no more staff brandings, but there will be staff tattoos. All right. Okay. I promise. I promise. Okay.
3: Okay. All right.
2: (laughs) Okay. And and until we figure out, we'll keep with Sci-Fi Saturday Night for the moment. All right. This is the only podcast to guarantee to remain carbon neutral throughout the rest of this fiscal year. Not the entire actual year, just the fiscal year. I'm your vaccinated host, the dome. This is episode five hundred and twenty. In tonight's episode, it's mask optional. Um, although I I hear that we're moving out of mask optional uh into uh mask mandatory again. Which I is unfortunate, will. but
3: I, I, I have the case. I, I've got my masks ready. You know, I've got my uh, Queen Elizabeth I mask all set up. I also have my uh, Prince Charles mask. And uh, let's see, what else do I have? Some great choices here. Well, um, see, that's the
2: difference between you and I because I have my, my Nixon mask, and that's the one I'm wearing. And screw everybody. <laughs> okay, you go with Nixon then. I am going with Nixon, and that's
0: that. In any case, um, when you write a series of books in an alternate reality, and you create a grand alternate reality, uh, it takes an awful lot of work,
2: and I started reading this stor-
0: series of books uh, um, in, in, in something called the Soulforge universe, uh,
2: and didn't realize that I was not reading the first book, even though it said it was the Book number one, that it was really like the twelfth book in the in the Soulport universe, and and I, I'm just kind of banging my head going, why do I not know most of the stuff that's happening here? And then I realized that it was actually book one in the third or fourth third series fourth series one two three fourth series of books within this universe. And the guy who's going to explain it all to me is the guy who put this universe together, Richard H. Stevens. Richard, welcome to Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Hi guys. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, and, and thank you for inventing a series that I know nothing about. <laughs> uh and and wow, holy crap. Where okay, let's let's just start off with the basics. Um, where the hell did this where, where, where did where did where did the Soul Forge universe
1: come from? Uh, interestingly enough, it came from an Iron Maiden song.
3: I love it! I yeah. love it! I was going to say you can't start any better than that. <laughs> you really can't. No, run run to the hills.
1: Came on the radio one November evening in 1982, and uh, I just discovered Terry Brooks as a uh, Shinara universe and i was reading either the sword of Shunara or the elf stones or wish song but uh, i had fallen in love with fantasy just uh just previous to that song coming on the radio and i had written for many years as a child and you know wrote science fiction when star wars came out to 77 but uh, uh terry brooks uh turned my love of reading into fantasy reading and uh, i was just sitting uh one night uh in my bedroom by myself with the headphones on, listening to uh Rock and Roll Station and Iron Maine came on Run to the Hills. You should have, obviously. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> and even though Run to the Hills isn't really a, a fantasy song, it's more about the Native American uh it came on the radio and it, it just put this sign uh, put this fantasy story in my head and right away I knew it was gonna be a trilogy and I knew the ending. I just uh had to uh figure out how to get there.
2: Okay, but that's not true because it wasn't a trilogy. The first set of books was a trilogy.
1: That's all I and, That's all yeah. I was going to write,
2: yeah. Yeah, but that's not how it actually worked out. No, it didn't. Because did not. By, by the time you were done, and you're not done yet. No.
0: <laughs> There's going to be 20, by, 25
2: by time, more books in the series yet. By the time Woo. I got to you, you were 15 books in. Or so. Yeah. And 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 still going strong, I might add. Um why uh, f- okay, okay. Um so many questions, not enough time. And <laughs> I'm just scattered with this whole thing. Okay. I I got I got to you in the High Cliff Guardians uh series of books. Each series is three books long. Is that by design? Uh, actually, the
1: Highcliff Garden is going to actually get turned into four uh, books, uh, four 600-page books or more. And uh, and that's uh, an interesting story on its own. But uh, the, the okay, cover hey, for Go for it. The cover for give me, Keeper, the give dual. me the
2: interesting story because yeah interesting okay so
1: stories are always interesting. I I put interior pictures in my books about four or five interior pictures in my books when I was a, a child I used to read uh, the Hardy Boys and I loved how Franklin Dixon used to pencil in drawings and you always read to the picture and then you look at it and you're kind of immersed in the story it it just gives you right. more a, more of an intimate feel when you're reading the book so I when I publish my own books I'm thinking okay I want to put stories in my books or pictures in my books as well. But uh, so I was online and I saw the Keeper the Jewel cover and I asked the cover artist if I could buy it and use it as an interior picture. And she said, no. She said, it's too good to be an interior picture. <laughs> and so she wouldn't sell it to me. She, was, she could have made money, but she wouldn't. And I was, okay, well, it's your picture. And I thought about that for about a week and all of a sudden a 600 page book came into my head and I just starting the series earlier than what I was originally gonna start it. So, and I wrote the 600 pages to that cover.
3: Wow. okay, That's that's a cool little trick.
1: I like that. <laughs> it it actually it added a lot of magic to the story, that's for
3: sure. So it sounds like you get a lot of uh, inspiration from things you see and listen to going into this. I mean, you know, you 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 get it from images you look at and you, you, it helps you uh, build the story and that's even the music you know as you said earlier so it's with all of this you know is it and you said with the with that one that that with your trilogy you knew how it was end and then you had to figure out how to get there is that the case with all of these or did you is it it does it work differently for each one of these trilogies you've written
1: no jenny uh whereas i'm writing one of the trilogies and uh because of this fantasy there's so much lore that's involved in fantasy uh all of a sudden it's like star wars came out in 77 and then in ni- in the 90s they came out with uh, the phantom menace so they keep writing backwards and I seem to be trapped in that cycle as well so i get so much lore in my head so in the original soulforge saga for 35 years i started that book when i in, when i was 17 in 1982 and i didn't finish it until i didn't publish it until 2018 soulforge book 1 and then when Uh, Wizard of the North was published in 2019, and then Into the Madness came out in 2019 as well. But for 35 years, I always knew the ending of that original series. And 35 years later, when I was writing Into the Madness, one of the main characters does something so bizarre halfway through that book that my ending was gone. So for 35 years, I knew the ending, and now I was left without an ending, and a dragon came in the story. And when the dragon came in the story, it just opened the doors for 30, 35 books. And I had to go back in time and explain to the reader why for the first 1,000 pages in the Soulforge saga, there's no mention of a beast that's the size of a house that breathes fire. You wouldn't think people would forget about something like that. And so I wrote the Legends of the Lurker series, and it explains what happened to the dragons and why they're not prevalent in in the opening books of the Soulforge saga. And then when I was writing... The Lens is the Lurker series. Halfway through book two, uh, Rika's gift, I I bring in a character. She's an elf, and she I, I showed you guys the picture before we went on air, and right. she's a no-nonsense elf. She either likes you or she kills you. There's no in-between with her, and she befriends the heroine of the story. So now she's got the heroine of Rika has this elf as her protector. And uh, the elf mentions the 700 year old elf queen who sent her there to protect Rika. And as I'm writing that, I'm going, wow, I need to write the story of the 700 year old queen, except I want to write how she rose to become this famous elf queen. So that's where the High Clip Guardians and Keeper of the Jewel came about.
2: Okay, let's pause for just a moment now. Because- <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Because my brain feels like scrambled eggs. Oh, mine does all day. And and here's why. I can barely remember my locker combination. And you're
0: juggling four or five different uh, book universes, portions of
2: the same universe. Mm-hmm do you keep a bible i do, do orig- you keep
1: i originally did go not. on sorry no no worries i didn't mean to cut you off i originally did not i just i'm, no. I'm a I'm a, pan- I'm a panther so i had no idea i like i don't invest time in world building beforehand i don't invest time in magic systems beforehand in my world magic you know if you're a wizard then you're inherently magic It's just like if you're writing science fiction you don't go on for chapter after chapter explaining how gravity keeps them rooted to the floor of the spaceship they're walking in, you know, it's, it's inherent. So I don't bother with explaining these fancy fantasy or uh, magic systems. It, magic does have a cost to the user for sure, but. uh,
2: No, but in terms of relationships and, and people and places and things.
1: Yeah. How do you keep this all together? But when I first started, I didn't. And uh, I found myself scrolling through many, many pages of text and, uh, you know, find and search and trying to find uh, references to, you know, does uh, Cameron have blue eyes or did I mention Cameron with green eyes? Because the readers will call you out on it. And all of a sudden I discovered Excel. Oh, yes, they will. (laughs) Oh, for sure. Excel is your friend. So now. I have these very elaborate Excel spreadsheets and every character I come up with gets their own tab. And as I mentioned them in the story, you know, Cameron's got green eyes, uh, we'll put the green eyes in there. And then three books later, if Cameron's just a minor character and I get back to him and I want to mention his eyes, I don't have to sit there and go, well, which book did Cameron appear in before and find him. And <laughs> I just go to Excel spreadsheet, bang, click on the Cameron tab and there he is and he's got green eyes. So. I I use a Excel spreadsheet for the people, and I use Excel spreadsheet for places as well. So whenever I describe a place in fantasy, uh, you know, I just write it all down in the tabs, and it certainly helps for sure.
2: I I can't imagine how else you would keep your your characters and your places and your your relationships in 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 order without without something although there are writers that i know of and i know well who don't do that who keep who keep uh, uh, uh note cards in their head
0: yeah and i can't do
2: they, that no. i can't they... imagine but they do it and i don't know how they do it they have like an eidetic memory and they'll just go no he's got black hair See, how
1: do you know? I used to work with a man like that. He, he used to be like the Rain Man. We'd, we'd try to describe a suspect uh, from 1992, and you see say, "Yeah, I remember him. He had blue shoes with red shoelaces." And I think, oh, that's awesome, Keith. I, I can't remember what I had for breakfast this morning." So that's uh But I, when I first started out in '82, I, I uh, actually used recipe cards. I had a recipe box, like my mother's old recipe box, and I used all these blank mm-hmm. recipe cards, and that's how I did it back then because we didn't have computers and everything else, all the great things that we have now. Now you actually, do you like? I I I can't imagine that you do anything now but write full time. Do you? No, that's what I do. I write full time now. No, my wife has uh, allowed me to leave my real world job in in 2017, and uh, I've been writing full time since.
2: Oh, this is this is your real
1: world now. <laughs> this is my real job I, I, now, for sure. This is my dream job, so. I look forward to Monday mornings where most people dread them. I look forward to it.
3: Which of course so then what, brings what you your, that, Go ahead. Well, you first though. Okay. So, so what this is, what is sort does of
2: your writing day look
3: like. Uh,
1: I I'm not a prolific writer, I don't think. I, I I end up writing two to three books a year, but I don't think I think I can write more. I'm, I think I'm a slow writer. I, if A good day for me, I'm writing 2,500 words. A great day, I'm writing 4,000 words. Most days, I can get 500 to 1,500 words. Especially with COVID going on, you would think I'd get more because we're just stuck at home. But uh, COVID just seems to pull your mind out of where you want to be, and it's, it's bizarre how it affects the person. But
0: now that that which which brings us back to um, the Highcliff Guardian series, which is a series that wasn't really ever going to be written, and that was only written because of COVID.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's funny how these things happen, because I was supposed to be actually writing a series that Hux takes place before this, and in I got uh, funded by the Waterloo Arts Foundation, which is a local thing around here, to do a research trip to the British Isles and we had the whole trip set up in for May 4th in 2020. So we were going to visit uh, the fabled castle of King Arthur and uh, see Merlin's Cave and we're going to go do the Stonehenge and there's a great witches' uh, uh, demonstration in the university of manchester and then we're going to go up to scotland and they have a bunch of standing stone sites up in the orkney islands and then over on the island the sky and i was going to research witchcraft and superstitions of the 15th and 16th centuries and of course covid uh canceled all that and i remember uh being shut down march 17th of 2020 and we were uh, slated slated to fly out on march on may 4th and at that time i think you know, it's not going to affect us. <laughs> like that's a month and a half away. Yeah. A couple of weeks, this will yeah. all blow over. Yeah, exactly. We'll yeah. Fine. And even, even mid April, we're <laughs> thinking we're fine. It's still May 4th. And, and finally reality set in and uh, I never made it. And, and then we figured, okay, well we'll do it in 2021 and 2021 uh, we we're still stuck in the middle of it. So I don't know whether I'm ever going to get over there to do the research trip. So I needed something else to write in its, in its place. And, uh, so I figure, okay, well, if I can't write, then this is supposed to be the, like you keep talking about me going backwards with my books. So that's research is supposed to get me to the place where I'm going to be writing actual the actual book one. So we can start going forward. So any on readers being onboarded from that date on, they can start reading chronologically forward as opposed to backwards. And uh, that's not happened yet. Maybe I'll just start that series next year, and be done with it. But Keeper the Jewel... Uh, I started writing Keeper of the Jewel and uh, I realized it's going to be a four book series and uh, I'm in the middle of writing book three now. It should be out at the end of June and then book four, When Legends Rise, should be out at the end of the year. So hopefully next year I can start on the original series.
3: So Dome, one of our first complaints may not be a complaint, you know, we always complain the person that always sends these books our way always gives us books out of order. Technically, the person that sent us to this didn't put it out of order. They gave us the earliest possible book. So we're literally, you know, with the forefront of reading this series instead of c- coming in halfway through. I'd say we they did pretty good. They gave us the
2: earliest possible book in series four. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> which which is, yeah, no, but
1: Chronologically, Keeper of the Jewel is uh, book one right now. It'll end up See? being book six, because so uh, I've got planned already. I know there's five books in the original series. There's going to be kind of my reader magnet. There's book one, and then there'll be four main books. And then Keeper of the Jewel will uh, carry on from there.
3: Good Lord. But at this moment, we're book one.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting <laughs> conversation moment. when people <laughs> ask me uh, when I'm at uh, book shows. Uh, so where would one start? And, well, yeah. <laughs> uh, you can start with Keeper it's the trilogy, but that series isn't finished yet. Or you can start with Rika's Flight if you want to read a complete series. So all my trilo- – I, I generally write in trilogies other than these two. But I, I generally write in trilogies, and the trilogy starts someone's story in book one, and that story ends in book three. And you really don't need to know what happened before or after to enjoy the story. That is their story. And other than dragons and elves and dwarves who are longer-lived, they might kind of carry on into other books – uh, characters like Rika, who's a human, she only lives so long. So she's she'll never come back into any of the, the series other than uh, she might be mentioned 500 years later as a historical figure. So I do you remember the Hill Witch? And they'll talk about Rika for a minute, uh, what she'd done 500 years ago.
3: And one of the things I like about this, Richard, is that it's just what you just said. When I started reading this, I did not feel like I was coming into book God knows whatever number it is in all the books you've written, you know, I felt like I was I was picking up book one of a new series. I did not read. I did did not feel like I needed to know a massive amount of history to Mm -hmm. be able to enjoy this. And I think that is actually a good thing as far as anybody that wants to pick this series up is you can pretty much start anywhere you want you know from the sounds of things I and mean, we've only done the keeper of the jewel end of things uh, the high cliff guardians end of things you know you could pick up anywhere in any one of these series and if they're written as good as this is then i would say you know we you got a good shot of not ending up thinking feeling like you have you've gotten left behind so this is very well done in that sense well yeah, thank you
2: it's it's uh it's refreshing to have so much work done within this universe, and know that you can go anywhere within it, pick up one of the books, and not feel as if you're lost. Realistically,
1: yeah, for sure. And every book will, every series will allude back to something that might have happened before. But I try, one. I try not to info dump and bore the reader with the uh, pages and paragraphs and chapters of text saying you know this happened before I kind of leave that a bit to the edge of imagination it's just like uh we're you know the three of us are out uh having a beer somewhere and uh we talk about something happened before we don't go on in length about it we just oh yeah I remember that and then uh, we carry on so I, I tried to do that with these books so each book has its own set of characters and its own story. It's uh
0: it, it's daunting. <laughs>
1: But, you know, it, it's actually refreshing for me because, you know, I love R.A. Salvatore. He writes uh, The Dark Drow. I can never say the guy's name. D-R-I-Z-Z-T. Yeah. <laughs> Ma- amazing mm-hmm. series. He's got like 18,000 books in that series now. And it's the same characters over and over and over again. And, and you know, he does such a good job that it keeps you enthralled. But... As a writer, I as much as I love Rika and as much as I love Silurian in the original series and as much as I love Odling and actually the, the goblin high wizard in the the keeper of the jewel, after a while I kinda of get tired of writing about them. I want to write someone new and exciting and eclectic and bizarre and give them their own mannerisms. And that that's what excites me to sit down in front of my computer every day.
3: And that's you've just called out something I Really wanted to call out about this. So first off, how the heck do you say that goblin wizard's name? elfin Elfin? Yeah. All right, that's what I thought it was. Okay, so I wouldn't have been too far, because I've read a lot of fantasy. I'm and I've like yourself, I've enjoyed a lot of fantasy, but I've found that goblins—they're either evil cannon fodder, rarely good cannon. Exactly, fodder. cannon fodder. Exactly. They—they're stupid. You know. Mm-hmm. If, if you know either stupid <laughs> sidekicks either the villain or the hero but so very rarely have i met a character like Elfwin, where it's a goblin who's brilliant you know it's there's almost and now that you've seen now that i find out that you kind of you were also a fan of star wars i almost see shades of yoda in him <laughs> it, it's funny you say yeah. that I, I never once thought of him as yoda Oh, and but in in only the broadest sense that he's not human, he's not even remotely looks like the main characters in the stories, except for that you know two arms, two legs, um, and a few kind of basic features. But he's this he's this brilliant individual that guides the others, and and I, I love this character. It's just it's a as, as I we see. What did I put in our notes here, Dome? I think I put something along the lines of, uh, yes, best use of a goblet ever. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) You know what? I'm happy you said that because when I came up with that character,
1: I'm trying to think of who could I make? I like to make the character stand out. uh, And he's one of the main characters. And I'm thinking, so how do I make this character stand out? And when I originally started writing in 1982, I was never going to write tropes. I was never writing dragons. I was never writing elves, I was never writing dwarves. So goblins would have been something I would never write about. But, of course, when the dragon came into Instant Madness, uh, all bets are off. But when I was writing this, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to need a high wizard. I want to make him different. as You know, wizards always have these Dumbledore-type thing or uh, Gandalf-type. And I'm thinking, i got to make something different. And, hmm, I've never written a goblin before. And because elves are always perceived in the tropes as being, you know, the highbrow race where they're more intelligent probably because they're longer lived, but they're more intelligent, more sophisticated than man. uh, Like you see in Lord of the Rings. And uh, I'm thinking, okay, so how do I make this interesting? I know I'll put a goblin in there and the elves for the most part, are going to absolutely detest having this little green slimy character Being their number one magic user. And so I I play on that right throughout this uh, whole series. So uh, him being a high wizard of the elves, it really rankles a lot of, it really ruffles a lot of feathers.
3: And it's brilliant. I love it. And when I was reading this and I ran into this character, I had to actually double back and just go, Goblin? Really? (laughs) And that's that's when I came up with this. I said, That's brilliant. I mean, because like you said, you didn't want tropes, but seriously, making a goblin. A high wizard. I've yet to run into this. I mean, let, somebody let me know if there's other times where a goblin has been they've been portrayed as the main character and a high wizard in another book. I haven't seen that. You, I mean, this breaks just about every trope. I mean, I listed off all the tropes that I can think of for goblins, and that's not one of them. So I'd say in this particular case, you used a goblin, you know, you, you definitely didn't follow the tropes. And I think it's great. Yeah, That's it, I really did it's it's one of the two characters I really wanted to call out and just kind of mention because I think it really makes this book unique and fun.
1: Well thank you. And and so
3: who is the other character you got me interested now? Well, okay, and again, um he's the and I'm gonna butcher his name, but Prince Orleth. Prince Orleth, yeah. Orleth, Orleth. I knew it was gonna be one or the other. The Grim Duke, and, yes. It's the Grim Duke, and it's only because I he's almost a find a hilarious
2: my... character because of the situation you've put him in
3: yeah and and I almost feel my feel almost a a small bit sympathetic for him because he's you know he's because of the situation he's in he's 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 stuck, he can't do all the things he's he's always going to be the grim duke, he's never <laughs> going to be anything more, anything less, and it's such a fascinating use of the character. And I just, I absolutely loved it. And I would say, I, I, every time I, I, as I'm reading the book, and of course, anybody that listens to the podcast knows, I stop before I get to the ending. I stop because I do not want to, you know, I have a bad habit with spoilers, although I haven't done that lately. But <laughs> well, so, I don't that, know how they, I thank you. But I don't know how things have turned out. But I've actually liked this character because... He's interesting and he's, you know, he's, you know, I I hate to say like I feel for him, but, you know, I kind of almost feel for him because, you know, it's like he's never going to be able to go rise up any higher than he is. He's stuck, you know, in a society that's that keeps him suppressed. And so there's a part of we, me that we feels...
2: talked about that before we before we brought you in. And we talked yeah. about how it was a reverse glass ceiling that he found himself caught
1: in. Mm hmm
3: yeah exactly yeah and so, the weight
1: way- sorry I just explain uh, to anyone listening that uh in my world uh it's the female that ascends the elven throne, and the man man kingdoms are still the male, but in the in my world it's the female that ascends the elven throne, and the grim duke realizes that he will never become king of the elves
3: and and he can one-
2: never and he's he's he's. The Grim Duke is the perfect name for him because it, it's he's just caught. And and uh, and we were talking yet, before we brought you in, and we go, Yeah, it really kind of catches him to a T.
3: And so, the, and the other two characters you've already mentioned one, Oderling. Oderling, right, yeah. Close on, Oderling. Yep. And her mother, that I'm not going to take a swing at. So you're going to have to give me the pronunciation. I just K. Okay. K. Oh, so They're it is as simple K, as yep. I thought. Yep. So Oderling and K, neither one of them seem like they want what they've been born into. <laughs> so literally you have a world where, you know, you have the mother and the daughter who are born into and are going to be given power, have power handed to them that they don't want. I mean, Oderling, you know, on multiple occasions is, you know, telling people around her that she doesn't want to be called princess. She doesn't want... Mm-hmm. You know, they don't want this power that's been forced upon them. And the grim duke wants it. You know, he wants to be able to lead. He wants to be able to do it. Now, was he going to be a good leader? That's a whole nother story. But, you know, it's such an interesting situation where everybody is in a position that they really don't want to be in. You know, and I just I love that. I love the way you, you what you've done with that. It, it
1: just seems like that's really what life is all about, isn't it? It's, uh, we're always wanting something we can't have. And we're always so, someplace where we don't
2: necessarily want to be or we're not where we're supposed to be.
1: or we think we want to be, yeah. Right. And, you know, it's, it's truly a case of the grass is always greener. It doesn't matter where you go. All of a sudden... <laughs> Where you came from, the grass all of a sudden is green over there, and I was just there. What, what's going on? So yeah, so even even writing fantasy, I, you know, all these regular real world problems come in, and I, I try to spin them on the characters just so you know they have their own little dilemmas that they have to deal with.
3: I
2: think you so, did so a good here's job we, with them. here's what we thank yeah.
1: you.
2: So he, here's what we found tonight. We we found a guy who very early on in life wanted to write and had to work his way through the world in order to get to the point where he found himself in a position to write and worked his way through the world and worked and worked and worked these books in his head and the complexities of putting these worlds together they're marvelous worlds and they're complex worlds and they're the worlds that Richard Stevens has decided to put pen to paper and bring on out they're wonderful Uh, with complex characters and demons and goblins and dragons and all kinds of cool stuff And Richard, I can't thank you enough for coming on to the show and talking to us
1: about them. Well, thank you very much. I'm I'm glad you guys uh, like the story and I I appreciate you guys having me on to to talk about my books. I always love talking about the stories. If you ever want me to come back on again, let me know and uh, we'll certainly come back on and uh, discuss it a little bit further. I I think somehow we probably could make that happen. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you for having me.
2: Sci-Fi Saturday Night is made possible with the support of GraniteCon and Double Midnight Comics, Plastic City Comic Con, The Upper Valley Comic Expo, Dreamforge Anvil and Dreamforge Magazine, and Comic Art House. If you're looking for a great gift idea, may we suggest Sci-Fi Saturday Night's anthology, My Peculiar Family, available on Amazon. The audiobook is also available on Audible. Our intro production was provided by Rob Watts. Check out all of his amazing work at robwattsonline.com. Our outro music was provided by Lawrence Made Me Cry. Their discography is available on Bandcamp. Thank you so much, JoJo. This is Dome saying shared pain is lessened, shared joy increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. So unless it's daytime, good night, everyone. There once was a girl from Nantucket. Good night everybody!
0: Yes.